A man comes down with the flu. He's the sort of man who swims laps at the gym before work. He's the kind of guy who manages his email inbox on a daily basis. He's the kind of person who puts framed Crayola drawings by his children on his desk. He is accustomed to being in control of his life and his time. But thanks to the flu, he is forced to surrender the second half of a day here at the beginning of the year where he intended to get a lot of important things accomplished. At lunchtime, he makes his way home and retreats to his bedroom where he longs to be left alone. I imagine him writhing under the covers with the curtains closed, sniffling and aching in the dark. When later that evening, there's a tiny and timid knock at the door. It creaks open. His young son stands in the sliver of light that leaks through around him. Daddy? From the bed, there comes a groan. Then the boy says, I just came to hurt with you. The boy climbs up onto the mattress and curls into the mess, father and son still and quiet. And I just need to say at this point that clearly there is no mother present or other parent present to keep the child away from the flu. (laughs) But that's not the point here. If the father was feeling helpless or discouraged, In the darkness of the flu, his son surely brought him much-needed love and light. It may not be the flu for you, hopefully not, but there might be something else weighing on you that is casting darkness into your life. You know what that is. If not personal, perhaps it's something more broad. Perhaps you are feeling downcast because of challenges in your community or just simply feeling low because of the state of the world in which we live. But in the midst of it all, there is light to be found, if we but only watch for the light. Which brings us to this Epiphany Sunday. But as Sarah remembered the day that we celebrate the journey of the Magi, the the wise visitors who go to the place where Jesus was born in Bethlehem, led by the light of a bright star, so that they might bring their gifts and they might worship him. It is this story that we are reading today from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2. Beginning at verse 1, I invite you now to listen, that by faith you may receive God's word for you this morning. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, He inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, 
in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out. And there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. During the weeks leading up to Christmas, the topic of manger scenes came up among some friends. And admittedly, these friends are ministry-type friends, not your average run-of-the-mill friends, for whom manger scenes probably wouldn't come up over a beer. <laughs> the issue was, well, it was interesting. I volunteered the fact that I've been to a place in a town called Frankenmuth, Michigan. There is a massive Christmas store there. It's rather famous in that part of our country where there are hundreds of manger scenes and crushes. But that, that was just a sidebar. The main topic of conversation, and this was mid-December, was whether or not the baby Jesus should be in the manger scene yet. Many said that it should wait until Christmas Eve. Because, after all, Jesus wasn't a part of that scene, as we believe, until that time. Theologically, I completely get it, I understand it, but come on. How many manger scenes do we go around seeing where Jesus is missing from the scene? Rarely. Maybe some purists are out there and you are proud because Jesus doesn't make an appearance until the 24th after worship. <laughs> Practically, though, I didn't really know that this was a topic of conversation or that it was of great interest. But again, consider the group. A colleague said that at her house and in congregations where she has served as pastor, they moved the Magi from windowsill to windowsill during the time after Christmas, that even the Magi should not be in the manger scene until today. Because today is the day that we acknowledge and celebrate their journey, their presence in the scene, their role in the story. And so from windowsill to windowsill, and then they are placed in the manger scene at Epiphany, when they have come and they have discovered the child with his mother. She said, placing the wise men near the manger on Christmas Eve misses 
how far God reaches to ensure that all people receive the good news of Christ's birth. And I get that. The significance of the light can be lost if we just group them in from the very start. The light leading them and the the fact that they followed the light as a source of meaning and hope and understanding. Culturally, our focus is Christmas Day. We sing beautifully. We play beautiful music. We worship beautiful. Our, Our sanctuary and our chapel and our worship space for worship at five are decorated beautifully for the season. But here we are. No more Christmas trees, no more poinsettias, no more lights. All the preparations lead to Jesus' birth and the story of challenge leading to that miraculous event. But once Christmas Day comes and goes, well, it's game over for many. Sure, we may have sung the cute 12 days of Christmas song, but we don't give much thought to the Christmas season lasting much past December the 25th where we share gifts while enjoying time with loved ones. But I think we need more of that. I drive my wife, Michelle, crazy because I'm still playing Christmas music. I start too early and I keep it going too long. But I do think we need more of that. We need more of a reminder. The story of the Magi and their journey can add depth to our experience of Christmas. With Epiphany, the Christmas season does come to a close. And so the tree goes out to the curb, and our decorations are boxed again, and they're stored for another 10 or 11 months, depending on the household. You know, I lived next door to someone for many years who was known in our neighborhood to take someone to task if their Christmas tree was at the curb before January the 6th, which is Epiphany. So I might or might not have been known to put my Christmas tree out the back door until it was allowed so that I could avoid that conversation. And y'all, if anyone dared go out to the grocery store or the drug store the day after Christmas, Valentine's candy, Our culture is all about moving it on. Let's go, let's go. I appreciate that one commentator says that whatever actually happened in those days after Jesus was born, Matthew's story of the Magi traveling far to honor him probably originated in need. Not pageantry, not a theological statement about Christianity as a faith for the Gentiles, not an excuse to give presents, but need. The wise men, the magi, needed to be there. We need to be there. We need to have that experience and acknowledge that experience of the journey. Matthew doesn't say why. Maybe the wise men didn't know why, but something in their world was amiss. They came to Jesus seeking the one anointed by God to bring peace, to bring salvation. And Herod? Herod needed to be in charge. He needed to be needed. 
And this whole scenario unfolding in front of him was threatening to him because it was jeopardizing his place as the ruler. I think our need is one tie that binds us together. Some needs certainly are healthier than others, but we are still needy people. It is an inherent part of who we are. We need to belong. We need to be known. We need community. We need to be able to share our voice. We have many needs. So it's interesting to ponder the ways that need connects those in this epiphany story. Like many other gospel stories, this is actually the gospel in miniature because it describes the coming of the Messiah and shows the wide variety of responses from acceptance to rejection. The Magi come to worship him and Herod seeks to destroy him. At the beginning of Matthew, the Gentile magi come to worship Jesus, and at the end of Matthew, the disciples are told to go and make disciples of all nations. The magi could not find the king that they were looking for until they heard from those who knew the scriptures. And those who knew the scriptures did not recognize the sign that the Messiah had been born. While Christian tradition holds that the Magi were kings, well, a more precise description might be that the Magi belonged to the priestly caste of Zoroastrianism, a group that studied the stars. They gained an international reputation for astrology, which was a highly regarded science at the time. So these wise visitors from the East were scientists, and practiced other religions, and God used their faith and knowledge to bring them to the Christ. That is ironic, but more ironic, God used scientists who practiced other religions to let King Herod and the chief priests and scribes of the people, to let all of those people in on the news that their Messiah had been born. God seems to do whatever it takes to reach out and to embrace all people. God announces the birth of the Messiah to shepherds through angels on Christmas, to magi by means of a star on Epiphany, and to the political and religious authorities of God's own people through visitors from the East. From a manger where a child lies wrapped in bands of cloth, God's reach, God's embrace in Christ Jesus gets bigger and bigger and bigger. As he grows and matures and as his ministry takes shape, Jesus eats with outcasts. He associates with sinners. Jesus touches people who are sick and diseased and people who live with disabilities. Jesus even calls the deaf back to life. Ultimately, Jesus draws all people to himself as he is lifted up on the cross. In Christ Jesus, no one is beyond God's embrace. If we allow it to be so, Jesus is the greatest tie that binds us. 
as we have traveled toward Epiphany and hopefully savored the final days of Christmas, this is a good time to ponder where we are on our own journey. So let me ask you a few questions to consider as you make your own way. As we cross into a new year, even a new decade, where do you find yourself on your journey of faith? The Magi followed a bright star. What or who is guiding you as you walk your path of life? Have you been traveling more by intention or by reacting to the things that come your way? In what direction do you feel drawn to go during the coming weeks and months? What is eating at you? What is, what is calling you? Perhaps something is weighing you down as you travel life's path, or maybe you found that you're missing something that you need in order to make it more meaningful. Is there anything you want to let go of or to find in order to take the next step? And finally, in the coming months, what gift do you most need to offer the world that no one else can offer? You know what you're good at. You know what makes your heart sing. And as people of faith, we are called to share these very things. To enrich our lives, but to make the world a better place as well. Author Jan Richardson offers this blessing on the occasion of Epiphany, and I want to share it with you as I end today. For those who have far to travel, if you could see the journey whole, you might not ever undertake it. You might never dare the first step that propels you from the place you have known toward the place you know not. Call it one of the mercies of the road that we see it only by stages as it opens before us, as it comes into our keeping step by single step. There is nothing for it but to go, and by our going, take the vows the pilgrim takes to be faithful to the next step, to rely on more than the map, to heed the signposts of intuition and dream, to follow the star that only you will recognize, to keep an open eye for the wonders that attend the path, to press on beyond distractions, beyond fatigue, whatever would tempt you from the way. There are vows that only you will know, the secret promises for your particular path and the, the new ones that you will need to make when the road is revealed by turns you could not have foreseen. Keep them, break them, make them again. Each promise becomes a part of the path. Each choice creates the road that will take you to the place where at last you will kneel to offer your gift most needed, 
the gift that only you can give before turning to go home by another way. Do you remember what that little boy said to his sick father? I just came to hurt with you. He needed to be there. And his father needed that love, that presence. Just like the wise men needed to be kneeling at the manger, worshiping the newborn king. So do we. We need to be there. For Jesus came to hurt with us. And it is a journey to make it to him. Yes, we need to be mindful of the journey to get there, but we need to be making our way, taking steps, heading in that direction. Just like they brought gifts to give, we too have gifts that only we can give this world. There will be people who need us to hurt with them, to laugh with them, to champion them. We have a need to do so. It's one of the ties that bind us together as God's people. May it be so. All thanks be to God. Amen.